You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, seeing as we're uh, reviewing a movie this week about uh, comedians, I want your worst joke. <laughs> worst or best joke? I have all my jokes are worst jokes. You've totally sprung that I tell no good jokes. Okay, rem- uh, do you know any jokes? I think I know some jokes, but the telling of those would be poor. So just assume anything. Any joke I tell would I, be bad. Why did the mermaid cross the road? Why? To see a movie. Get it? Oh, is that an example? <laughs> That's my worst one. Did you make that up? Yes. No. This, that's a very famous bad joke. That's it. Go on. Have we got any jokes? No, I don't actually. Speak now or forever. If I teeth. think of one, I will bring it up later. Okay, so it's... In the telecast. So it's Monday, November the 23rd, 2009. This is after the show number 97. This week we're going to be looking at the movie Funny People on Blu-ray. Um, this Blu-ray disc will be released this Tuesday, the 24th of November. Um, it's from Universal. It's on Blu-ray and DVD. It's a two-disc... Special edition dealio. Yeah. And you're going to tell us what it's all about. It is about a um, middle-age-ish, almost middle-age, uh, comedian who has been in many movies, funny guy, everybody knows him, he's got a big fancy mansion, very rich, and yet, of course, I think it's not a new theme, but he's kind of empty life. Get some news about his health about his life, starts to rethink a few things, hires a young comedian to be his assistant, and you kind of explore both sides, a new young comedian and the struggles of that and acting in Hollywood and all, you know, the excitement of it all versus I've been there, I've done that, it's not that big a deal anymore, kind of stages of life and everything. And, you know, there's some romance, some lost romance and a lot of dick jokes, and <laughs> that's about it. The, you make it sound very appealing. No, it is appealing. It's, I have a hard time with movies I like, because I don't want to say more than needs to be said, because I'm a, a huge, huge proponent of don't tell me anything about this movie, because I want to just experience it all. Okay, so that's our show for this week. <laughs> Goodbye. I handle myself very well during the podcast, talking about the movies. And yet when I really love a movie, a lot of why I love this one, I knew nothing about it. I actually didn't know anything about it. I knew who the two people who were in it, two of the people in it. I knew the title. And until the other day, I didn't even know Adam Sandler was in it. That's how out of the loop I am in life. Nice. I did not know that. I might have known it at some point in the past. You need to get with the program. But I love that. I love not knowing anything. Then everything I'm seeing has not been spoon-fed to me through a trailer or people talking about it. I know I don't read and much. Yeah, fun- funnily enough, I never saw the trailer to this movie either. Oh, and good. I didn't know... this. I knew it was about comedians. That's all I knew, though. So, Anyway, I just want to say... I am a huge fan of Judd Apatow. And I've said this before on the podcast. Uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up. I think there's some of my favourite comedies in recent years, you know? Definitely. I just, I just think they're really good. I think this one is better than those two in almost every way. It's more, almost say more grown up. It's less of a comedy, 
and more of a drama, I think. While there is some funny moments. But I prefer it that way. I wouldn't I, say that it's better than either of those. Because I actually, they both have... You've watched that, you know, 40-Year-Old Virgin as it was in that moment. It's absolutely... At, for, And we both love it. So what it is, it's the best of what it is. As it, Same with Knocked Up. You're moving a little bit forward, a little less of the madcap jokes, as in 40-Year-Old Virgin, right? But then you're getting to an adult theme. Two people end up making a baby. They don't really love each other. How do we cope with this? But there's a lot more jokes in it as yeah, well. Yeah. But then you move on to this, and it's another stage of life. See, I like even this less I like jokes. this better, because what I always thought about Judd Apatow films, and I really like the way he tells the story, is, you know, sometimes there are... Sometimes the subject matter, like Knocked Up, which is a pretty intimate and serious thing, what they're talking about, is a bit too spiced up with dick and fart jokes. Now, this one had every every reason to say dick and fart jokes because it's about comedians, right? So he can't intersperse them. But for the majority of the time, he didn't go overboard with that. I was thinking, oh, we're going to get loads of stand-up comedy in here. And that's one thing I want to say about this movie. There are moments where there are there is stand-up comedy from the main players in the movie. I don't actually think it was that funny. It wasn't as funny as like them just being the characters in the movie. Like I felt it was. I don't think it was supposed to be. Particularly because Ira played. No, the I, no, I, I get what happened. Well, what I'm saying. I know is, you get what happened. I'm saying yeah. it's it's no. he's got to undershine because he's new. No, not him. Adam Sandler was supposed to be like. Funny, even though he was, well, going through something weird. Yeah. Um, still, I, I didn't think anybody who was up on the stage trying to be funny, even the girl, was particularly funny. I, and I just feel because that was kind of artificial. Like, mm. you know, so I don't think it come across. Something was my chair. Into, oh, that was my oh, chair. So, um, <laughs> I disagree with you completely. I think there was a reason for that. So, for me, um, this, you know, could have been full of dick and fat jokes, but I feel like he pulled back and didn't. And there's a lot of cut-out stuff, which is yeah. probably all there. But I've always wanted a serious film by Judd Apatow. I feel that he could deliver a really serious film. And this is close to a serious film, even though it does have some silly yeah. stuff. There's themes in it that are that take you back and go, oh, you know, this is a theme, this is, you know, life themes that are deeper than being a 40-year-old virgin, for example. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... However, I don't see it as a drama. I just, I can't even describe what I think. It's funny, and it brings up some serious issues. I don't even know if I can define it. Well, the thing, yeah, and that's what I probably think too. Um, one of the things I was thinking was, yes, it is funny. But my favorite moments of the movie, which essentially is a comedy movie, are not the funny parts. Mm. Like, I like the parts that are not so funny, like serious or... Awkward. Or... Awkward, yeah. There's always there's always an injection of some humor because that's the way Judd Apatow looks at life. And that's the way people deal with awkward situations. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, they are different types of people. But yeah. this, he, there's always that little ding-ding at the end of a conversation or a look or something that kind of alleviates the, the moment where you're going, oh, God, you know? And, and one thing about this movie that goes against other movies... And is great in my opinion. Is it's quite a long movie. It's two hours and thirty three minutes. The we we watch the unrated version. Even the other versions, two hours and twenty five minutes. So it's a long movie, 
um, for a comedy movies. I said to you yesterday, comedy movies are generally ninety minutes to get it to the point. Now this has time to grow the characters, which other comedy movies don't. You've you have to you, they get to the point too quick, don't they? You know, totally. So I felt it just felt epic, even though it's not really epic. It's quite a small story, but to me, it, it I felt that I really knew the characters by totally, by I about agree. thirty minutes in. I knew the characters. You know, I, I do. I understand Seth Rogen's character. I understand where everybody's coming from, and I think that makes it more um, hits you harder because. Yeah, and I think. As you see, as we saw in the extras, there's a combination of reasons. First of all, you get to know the characters, not necessarily get to know them deeply, because they're pretty two-dimensional at first. The young comedian who's living on his friend's couch, and then there's the older comedian who's kind of done it all. and mm-hmm. So that's pretty two-dimensional. There's nothing there. And yet, the combination of everything, and even though this makes me sound really gullible, the music, as we find out later, the cinematographer is the guy who's done... like. They mentioned Ryan. Ryan's saving hope. Private Ryan. Ryan's hope. That's so funny. More than Saving Private saving, Ryan. Yeah, That's exactly. what, he's one of the most famous DPs right. out there. But he added, there is an addition of some, you know, it's not just the utilitarian Judd Apatow, here's I, the scene, here's I actually everybody. noticed that. And that I is don't. my cell phone beeping, but it'll, it'll be fine. Um, so I think all of that, and then as you get to know the people more and more, I just was totally sucked into it. Like, I cared about people, and I find... As I get older, that really matters in some movies to me. Some movies, eh, whatever. But in this one, I was really not... Because I'm not a Seth Rogen fan. But I really wanted to. So I just kind of let that go. Get to know this dude he's playing. And, you know, I can say I was converted because... I I actually think a lot of of it is due to them letting the running time go a bit longer. Because you could imagine... Say the say the film studio said to him, "Okay, uh, Judd, we like this movie, but can you make it ninety minutes? Because that's how comedies are. It would nowhere. It would be nowhere. Oh, near absolutely them. not. What is it? Two hours and thirty minutes. Thirty-three minutes. Which right? No. Yeah. Is long. Yeah. Say, yeah. cut an hour out. No way. No. You would lose all the wonderful moments. You would, if if he had to cut it down to ninety minutes, and it still be a comedy, it would be more of a wacky comedy and less of a drama. Yeah. I think the drama would have been the part that got lost." So I really like the fact that, you know, because you don't see it this day and age. We see stories of studios telling big people like Tarantino to cut the films in half because they're too long. and Studio, you know, Audiences that, will never stand for it. Well, you know what? Audiences these days want value for money. Yeah. I'm happy with a... Re- I'd be happy with a five-hour movie. Because if you go to the theater or you buy a DVD, you're investing in these people who... I don't care how much they spend. All I care about is the value I get at the end of it. And if I'm spending $25 on a DVD and it's an hour and a half long and there's no extras, I feel really pissed off. <laughs> like, I've been totally screwed. So long movies, bring it on. And the thing it. about this movie for me, and uh, this is the one of the th- things I always say about it being a good movie, is it was two hours and 33 minutes, but it didn't feel at all. It felt like an hour to me. Because, like, I enjoyed the entire thing. I, I wasn't even thinking about how long this is. Like, like there are some movies where you kind of halfway through go... How long has this been on? Is it near the end yet? I never felt that. You don't get that often, but yeah, there's times. You do sometimes. <laughs> you think, you know. But stays in Vegas. Uh, that was one of those where I was like, oh my god, yeah, how like, much longer is this movie? <laughs> I think that was about 15 minutes in, actually. So I maybe it was just my. But own. this one, I never thought about that, and it just it was at the end before I knew it. So it didn't even feel long, even though it, it kind of is for some people. It would be a long movie, wouldn't it? I don't know. It felt just right. 
Like, I, I didn't feel like as it was drawing, as you feel, you know, the, whatever, the conclusion coming around, I wasn't like, oh, no, 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 it's not done that. I felt like it told the story just right. I yeah. mean, really... Yeah, there was nothing like where you thought, oh, that's unresolved, or I didn't get enough of that. Or, no. And even some of the bit part actors where I thought, well, that, and they're only in it for 30 seconds, and I was kind of like, that's 30 seconds of him is enough. Yeah, Don't yeah, put totally. more of him in. There was one issue... About the selling of the cars. That I felt like, okay, and... Because never got a... <laughs> I don't know why that, that stuck in my crawl, like... What's this? He wanted to sell all of his fancy sports cars. And they talked about it, and he was going to do it. And then there's no there's no follow-up on that. So I was, I was like, what? I think you were just <laughs> meant to think he sold them, right? I guess, but... <laughs> and gave the money to charity. Right, but I just never... I never got around to, like, getting that, you right. know... I wanted to see him being driven out or right. hauled off or something. <laughs> could have, they could have added a 30-minute scene on... Yeah, but... On the, yeah, right. No, no. Um, so, overall, for me, I, it's, now it's my favourite Judd Apatow movie. I, um, it's very different to the other two. seems more personal, and it is more... It is, it's a personal story. In fact, we found out, you know, Judd Apatow, in real life, lived with Adam Sandler for a portion of time when they were both up-and-coming stand-up comedians... Some of it's based on that. Um, there's actually the opening of the movie where the credits are coming up is an actual real life piece of videotape of Adam Sandler doing prank calls from him and Judd Apatow's apartment, which is a real nice way Very. to start it. Because I said to you, I think that's real footage, and you said, No, I don't think so. No. And I thought, Well, how can they make Judd Apatow look that young? Because <laughs> he looks like a young, a young man. But then. You know, it, it is real footage, and the DV, the uh, Blu-ray actually gives you that footage if you want to go and watch it later, which is cool. But um, it's very personal, definitely. The movie, the theme, everything. I mean, we we've never been stand-up comedians, no. But you know what? I've thought throughout the whole movie, Adam Sandler's our age, right? He's my age more than yours. My chair needs to be oiled. Thank <laughs> you. Probably no one else can hear it but me, but um, it's right under my butt. I guess that's why I can feel it and hear it. Hmm. <laughs> nice. But he's 42, I think, 40-ish or something like that, Adam Sandler. And at one point he gives a speech, like at Thanksgiving, and says, you know, I remember when I was your age and I had a Thanksgiving dinner like this with my friends. And since then, like, you know, we've all moved on. Some of them are dead. And he kind of had a look on his face. And I thought in that instant of Adam Sandler's life. From the time he was a young, up-and-coming person in Hollywood, all the people he has known and was around, and there have been lots of tragic stories of the people of his... Do you know what I mean? Like, if you think about it. like Right. And so in that moment, I was like, he's really reflecting, and Judd Apatow is reflecting, because we are starting to watch these filmmakers that are of our age, even Kevin Smith, try to make movies that identify more with life as it, you know... I don't know, it's a different kind of... Maybe it's always happened, you know? Maybe if it was in the 50s and somebody could identify that. But I feel like as filmmakers grow up, we grow along up with them. They're making movies we identify just because we're getting wind of that. Oh, yes, I am reflecting on my life. Oh, look, Judd Apatow's reflecting on life. Oh, look, Adam Sandler, you know? They're yeah. just dudes. And we don't identify with the subject matter, because we've never been in Hollywood or anything, but that whole reflecting back on your life, I just feel like we're growing up with a generation of filmmakers who aren't, I don't know, they're pretty touchy-feely, really, when you think about it. But I like that. I don't know. Did we mention 
at the beginning, we did kind of say what this film is about. I explained it. Yeah, how far did we go, is what I'm saying. I didn't explain the whole premise, because, you know, that's your call. I don't want to give away No, I don't want to give away what happens, but we said that he was a man with an illness, right? No. All right, we'll say that then, because it happens in the first minute of the film. Right. Adam Sandler goes to the doctor... He's a stand-up comedian, very famous, like he's, he's basically Adam Sandler. Yeah, he's been in movies. Yeah, his character he's, is Adam Sandler, but yeah. his name is George Simmons. Um, he goes to the doctor. The doctor says, you've got this rare form of leukemia. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be good, basically. He doesn't really say you're going to die. He says... We're past the point of traditional yeah. medicine, so we're going to give you some alternative medicines, and then the reflection begins yeah. on his life. So yeah, his mansion is empty and so has what no I really, life. And what I really liked about it was you kind of coming into this movie thinking it's a movie called Funny People. It's a Jodapato. It's a comedy, and then literally, well, it's like I said, this is where I felt something at the beginning. It starts with this montage of old footage of them doing prank calls, which is quite funny, and then it goes into this doctor's office meeting, and then. He's driving home in his car, and everything's kind of a whirlwind to him, like because he's just been told, you know, you're probably going to die. Um, it instantly puts you in this, like, oh, this is not what I thought this was. And from there, I thought, I thought, but no one else will feel that who's listening, because now they know. Well, hopefully they've already seen it if they're watching, they're listening to this, right? Yeah. But um, I thought that was a good introduction. I mean, it's, it's a Hollywood thingy trick of course but it puts you in a frame of mind that's completely i was kind of oh okay seth rogan's coming i'm gonna laugh you know that kind of frame of mind oh adam sandler's you know yeah time. and then i wouldn't say it's filled with laughs at the beginning like for a while actually i mean when you when you first introduced to seth rogan's character and he's with all his buddies maybe that's kind of funny yeah but. i still don't like that one dude at all i try i, just, I really like that guy. oh god I think he's. I think. I think you could pluck him out of every movie he's ever been in, and he makes no difference whatsoever. He could be anybody. I don't find him funny. I don't find him clever at all. I can't. I don't know his name, but ugh. Jonah Hill. Someday, just like with Seth Rogen, maybe. <laughs> he's never had his own thing, has he? I don't like people because everybody else likes them. I like them when I like them, and then that's it. And I don't. I can't explain why. Sometimes, like Seth Rogen, after this, I'm like. That was different. That was a different uh, kind of. We'll talk about him later, but it won me over. So um, let's. We didn't want to discuss the movie because we didn't want to spoil the movie, right? So we're not going to spoil the movie, but that's as far as we go, you know. That we can see. There's lots of like themes about lost relationships and how do you can you find that again with somebody. And then I love that they go through, obviously there are lots of like classic, now um, modern day classic comedians who he sits down around a table with and they come to visit him and they're real comedians, Paul Reiser, Andy Dick, people like that. And I like, I mean, that's his life, right? Coming back to him for a a glimmer of a minute. I really like that they brought all those people in. Even Norm MacDonald was in Norm MacDonald, yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's quite a lot. And other ones I didn't recognize. Oh, I did recognize, but I didn't know who... No, I knew right, the right. comedians, you know, but didn't know. But, yeah, there's a whole scene around the table with, like, legend comedians who... I think that may be why part of it, it feels more 
grounded because Adam Sandler has been around our entire growing up because he's our age. So he was young when we were young and he's our age now. I mean, you know, that's kind of (laughs) the way it works. But And then seeing him in a role that basically is representative of his life and dealing with looking at his life, the emptiness or his success versus what he gave up. You would totally identify with this character because it's actually him kind of thing. If it had been played by somebody who hasn't ever been a comedian, I don't think it would have the same... I wouldn't have been as interested in it. And how the character, the Adam Sandler character, is really lonely because he kind of pushed everybody out of the way, even his family. Like, um... Yeah. Because of his... Because he's busy. Yeah, but see, yeah, you never know why exactly. No. You know why he's lost a girlfriend because he cheated on her. But even then, he's like, I don't know. I feel that he's just full of himself, like, and he's busy on the path to stardom and nobody else really matters. And that's another awesome thing because you're mixing these things up like... Okay, he's found out he's ill. What do we think? What do we think that people would do? You change your whole personality, but then you get glimmers of him still being a jerk. Yeah, because that's just who he is, and no matter what, you oftentimes you can't you outshine whatever's wrong in your life. You, if you're a jerk, you're always going to be kind of a jerk. You know what I mean? Like no matter what, like um, what's the one with Al Pacino, and he's blind. Sense of a woman. Right. And, you know, the kid's, like, in awe of this guy, and he's, like, he's blinded yeah. because of the war, and he's he's thinking he's, like, a, a war hero, and poor him, and Probably all this stuff. He goes to the family, and they all hate him. Yeah. Because he's just horrible. And then he t- then you see, he is just an asshole. It doesn't matter that he's mm-hmm. blind or that he's a, you know, veteran. It's just... So that's... I really like... And it's just... It's just dabbled in there. It's not, like... No, that's what I'm Big saying. None of it's really like heavy-handed. Like, like the really subtle thing, like where he's supposed to be watching a little video of a girl singing, and he kind of opens Just his cell phone, and then like he's like, bored, yeah. he fakes his like, oh yeah, ha ha ha, but he's still looking, and you just get the sense like, oh come on, dude, mm-hmm. we want you to be reformed, but you know. <laughs> so moving on to the cast of the movie, we've got as we just said, Adam Sandler as George Simmons, really good performance. Um, even though he's play, pretty much playing Adam Sandler, I felt it was a bit more to it than that. I agree. You know, it wasn't like a, a Waterboy character or anything like that. It was really good. It was like... Be, he did a, a behind the scenes kind of uh, character. Almost, yeah. Yeah, like, you, like you're seeing... I know, it's, I know it's not really him, but it's almost like you're seeing behind the scenes of a man who... What we would imagine him. in that yeah. situation that, you know... You know, how how he just interacts with people on... Uh, I really like the scene where they went to a MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> to do... He, he's, you know, he's a famous comedian, so MySpace had hired him to come and do a stand-up thing for, like, a... Corporate event. Corporate MySpace event. And um, he he writes him a joke. So he says, wait, it'd be really funny if, like, at some point you said, fuck Facebook. <laughs> and then they had James Taylor on the uh, stage singing. And at the end of his song, he he shouts for phrase like he stole my joke. That was really funny, a good um, geek joke for you. But yeah, yeah it's it's um, yeah, MySpace were obviously uh, involved there, weren't they? With yeah, the, it was kind of a bit of a corporate. They mention them all though. Yeah. So yeah, it, um, it's an interesting like behind the scenes character. I think I just felt like it was Adam Sandler, and then it wasn't because Adam Sandler's probably not like that. I don't think it's he's called selfish. acting. I think. Part of that, part of that whole yeah. What I'm there. saying is, I don't think he's like a self. You know, we've seen yeah. him behind the scenes. He's not like that. We don't know. How do we know? No. Unless he lives in our house with us, we're never gonna know. Then uh, Seth Rogen plays Ira Wright, who's the, you know, 
friend. up-and-coming comedian who works in a deli in a grocery store and, you know, is very unsure of himself. And no. he's kind of, he plays the sort of softer version. Like, one of his jokes even says, my friends sit around going, oh, I'd totally fuck her kind of thing. He's like, I can't even say that. Like, And mm. he's uncomfortable with, like, bold things with women. He's real nice and... I don't if it was the character or the way he did it. I thought he really hung back a lot in this movie. He did. Versus other movies where he's more, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they've tried to make him more. than one, Like Zack and Mary, for one example. One thing I uh, noticed is they never, Seth Rogen has a particular laugh that you can't, he does, Yeah. he doesn't do a laugh, it's his laugh. <laughs> they left out of this movie purposely, so you weren't always reminded it's Seth Rogen, I think. Yeah, I agree. Because the character was really different to, you know, a Zack and Mary, uh, even a knocked-up character. Even though the knocked-up character did have similar. a sentimental, um, nice side, he still had that stoner side as well, if you remember. This guy was nothing like that. He was just a guy. Yeah, he but was a nice guy. I don't know how much of a stretch these characters are. It's still... There's no, like... I thought most of his acting in this one was was subtle things instead of... But I don't know how the character... There's nothing stand out or different from what we've seen before except that, that he's restraining himself more. And part of that could be like, he's shitting himself because he's like, oh my god, I'm in a movie with that. I mean, yeah, he's done some big movies, but I bet in his mind he's still like, oh my god, that's Adam Sandler, that's Adam Sandler. I can't, like, you know, be more funny or whatever it is, but I thought he did a good job of kind of reining it in this time. And Seth Rogen's character is kind of based on Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm. So he was... Yeah. When we say... He said he was trying to be like Judd would have been when he was younger, even though he didn't know him, so... But I th- I feel that, you know, he pulled off something different. There was something different about like it. I like I'm ready now to watch another movie with him, whereas before, and knowing he was in this one, I wasn't. So I was not looking forward to it at all. I'll be very honest. I think the next Seth Rogen movie is the um, Green superhero movie. Yeah. So you'll see him with a cape and his hand... Buffed out. Yeah. That's all right, because that stuff can outshine a person sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm okay now. I, I think uh, I've... I didn't dislike his movies. That's the weird thing. I've just never... Who? Seth Rogen? Right. No, I've always The character him, that he does, I just feel like said, it's a little too I've dopey. said in the past I'm kind of sick of like him doing the same thing over and over. Well, this fixed that, so... Yeah, I like him, well, still pretty much the same. But I like him more than I like the guy from Saving Sarah Silverman, or whatever her name was. Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. You know that guy? I like Seth Rogen more than him because I don't like him at right, all. Right, I really either. like him too. I know you do. In fact, they're both really funny. Uh, uh, they were in something together, weren't they? No, they weren't. That was Paul Rudd in him in uh, yes. Love You, Man, which was really good. Um, so, next one is Leslie Mann as Laura. That's Judd Apatow's real-life wife. Um, we saw her, we've seen her in uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin mm-hmm. and Knocked Up. Mm-hmm. I like her a lot. I do, too. She seems natural to me. Like um, I know that there's no such thing as natural, really, when you're making a movie, but... I mean, she seem, doesn't seem actress-y to me. Right. Like a, I think a lot of the actors and actresses that we are drawn to in these movies who are getting our age and stuff, they're from um, backgrounds of comedy and improvisation and a lot more, like I was saying, where he, Judd Apatow's kind of touchy-feely. There's a lot more, um, what's it called, like a workshop ethic when you, get, when you see the behind the scenes. 
There's a lot more practicing, a lot more bouncing off each other. Not when you see like a Kevin Smith behind the scenes where it's like, you will say exactly what I write. You will not uh, improvise or, and when I say inflect on this word, inflect on that word. Whereas with the Judd Apatow movie, every time we see behind the scenes, it's always... Do it 500 ways. Yeah, open to interpretation. They practice a lot. Like it's a play. And because he's pouring his own experiences out there, I just feel like that's one of the reasons she kind of... She's come from that background as well, you know? And I like her. I've always liked her. Sometimes I don't know if I'm going to like her, but she always wins me over every time. And every time I see her, I think of her puking the strawberry daiquiri up in the car. See, and I think of her in Knocked Up, but she was one of my favorites of right. hers. As the the sister with uh-huh. the... I really liked her in that. So that's what I mean. She's like natural. It's like a... I don't know. And one special mention, I've not wrote them down here, but Judd Apatow's two children yeah. are also in this movie as um, his wife's children. Right. Um, and they're really funny. And she's married to the Hulk, by the way, in the movie. Yeah, and, and they're really funny. It's like um, like the children. I mean, the children are just being the children, really. Yeah. But there's some of the stuff they say is really funny. And I mean, they're around yeah. comedians all day, so... But, you know, I thought they were really good. And it's hard, isn't it, with kids in movies? Like, seems to be. I don't know that, but it seems But if you bring your own kids to the set, then... They're know? still not going to listen, because he said in the extras there was one scene with, with the gum, girl. and the older girl did not was not going to give her gum to the younger sister. He said she didn't care if it stopped the whole production. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, welcome to my world. Because <laughs> it's like she didn't care that daddy's the director, and this is costing millions of dollars a day or anything. She and, was not spitting out her gum. And then we've got Eric Banner as uh, Clark... Uh, who we saw last week in Top Gear. Mm-hmm. Um, we Eric Banner, you know, from Troy and... Uh, the Hulk. I always remember, remember him more from the Steven Spielberg one with the with Leonardo DiCaprio. What was that one called? Blood Diamond? No, no, no not Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> maybe, like... maybe. The one where they were like, a bomb goes off in a room and, it, and, and they're the kind of all... Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about with George Clooney. George he, Clooney in it? About the Olympic athletes. Yes, game. I know what you're talking about. Mm, what the hell is that? Starts movie with called? an M. Oh my god! Is it? It's a good thing I've got IMDb right here. I know what you're talking about completely. Yeah. Anyway, that Munich. Movie. Munich. Yeah. I always remember yeah. him from that, which is an outstanding movie. Very I mean, good. And and what did I say to you last week when we saw him on Top Gear? You didn't, I didn't know he even, was Australian. I did not know. And that. I did, but you, were, you know, <laughs> he's Australian. Anyway, in this it's movie. funny that we saw him in Top Gear last week as the star in the reasonably priced car. <laughs> And then this week we see him in a movie, but um, you don't because you don't seem to see him that often. No, um, I really liked him in this. He played Clark. That, yeah, but that character was pretty interesting. I thought. Oh my god, he's he was really playing it like there are dudes like that, like this hyped up businessman husband dude who travels to China, suspected of cheating on his wife, and in his way putting her down like uh, she can't really be an actress and yeah. you know he's just real jerky but he's also really nice and it's oh, really and everybody it does knows. a good the character's really interesting I thought and I thought he did a fine job a little there were moments where I felt like it, oh. he was humming it up but I think that, yes. I think the character actually was kind of the person who would be like that yeah I agree so but no he was good um, it's not it's only like the last few you know it's not he's not in it long don't go in oh, thinking like it's a lot of impact. movie but um, he was good. And then finally, guy you don't like, you you might as well just say you don't like him, Jonah Hill as Leo Koenig. Um, I like him. Wasn't massive deal in this movie. But the Jason Schwartzman or whatever he's called, I actually liked him a lot. 
the guy who, the, yeah. the Yo Teach guy. The friend. I don't really, I'm not a big fan of either one of them. I don't know what it is. Hmm. I don't find them funny at all. I find them to be that young, overly sarcastic, snarky. Which I like. Yucking it up. And with there's a dick and a fart joke right behind everything they're going to say. And there's always a lot of, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't like the, uh, I don't know. Someday maybe I'll see him in something that'll change my mind. Now, and on on our cheat sheet there, I wrote that this movie is directed by Seth Rogen. It is not. <laughs> Did you? I gave him the credit for that. <laughs> but anyway, it's directed by Judd Apatow, as we said earlier. It's the third Judd Apatow film, which I had a hard time believing when I was looking on the list. Me really, too. have I only seen three films directed by him? Well, yes, this is the third. Forty Year Old Virgin and Knocked Up being the others, but he was involved in a lot of TV. He said, and well, and a lot of other movies like. Um, other ones that we've seen Paul Rudd in and people like that, you know. So, yes, TV, Saturday Night Live, even, he was a writer. Um, I just think he's... I think, I think I, he writes, and you said epic, and it is epic stories. It's like the... St- I don't know how to describe it. You feel like you've really been through it with everybody, even 40-year-old version, even in Knocked Up. You've been a long ways with the people. Yeah, and, and the thing is, right, he's essentially writing romantic comedies. That's what these kind of movies are. Now, there's a lot of romantic comedies that I just can't stomach. Like, they, I'll watch them. Then at the end, I'll be like, it said nothing to me. I knew where it was going the entire time. It was goofy. So what kind of thing? But there's something about the way he does it. And it's not really new or anything. That is a lot different from the late latest Sandra Bullock movie or something. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? What's yeah. the difference? There's a there's a difference, isn't there, in in them? But you can't really put your finger you on it. You can't put your finger on it. And I do find it somewhat original, but I think it's the whole his whole movie making process that ends up with a better Do you know what I'm saying? Like He's like Kevin Smith or whoever whoever else writes their movies. Paul Thomas Anderson makes their movie, directs their own movies. Well, Kevin Smith has gone to do his own. But they put everything into this. Paul Thomas Anderson puts every minute of... It's like his life for however many years to make these movies. And I think I think that shows. And then all of a sudden when... Because another movie, they slap the script in front of ten different directors. Who can we get for the best amount of money? Who does this job? And we've got this actor and this actor. Here's just five million dollars. Get it done. Like we've talked before about Disney movies where we feel like it's just... Stamped out. Right to get any yeah. money. Like, you yeah. know, you can't tell who made it. It's just a movie. Right? And it's a job for them. And it is a job. Making a movie is just like any other job. If you work in a grocery store or you're the guy who directs a movie, we might think of it as a more, oh my God, he's a director of a movie. But there are a lot of directors out there who don't give a crap. They show up to work and they go, what scene are we doing? Fine. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. Whereas this guy, I think... You get the feeling like if this, at the end of it, it's not exactly what he wants. It would just drive him or Paul Thomas Anderson crazy. And we seem to like what they're telling us. Other people, they don't want all that deeper kind of shit, do they? They want the wacky hour and a half, get it over with. I was going to say, like, you know, the latest um, Sandra Bullock one was, for, for instance, or the latest, you know, what's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, 90 minutes of... Blech. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, you yep. you know what you're going to get when you see the box cover. With Judd Apatow, I mean... You don't really know what you're going to get. Mm, no, not at all. Even In fact, through the movie. I didn't know 
no, what no. we were going to end up with or where everybody was headed or anything. Not no. any of them. So, so I think that's it. I love that. So I, I can't <laughs> say. There's some kind of winning formula that he... he For has. us, yeah. Yeah. obviously, And some pe- the people who like the Sandra Bullock 90-minute movie might hate this movie because they go, you know... Where's the outrageous antics? It's not funny. Yeah. Like, w- w- when do they run away from Yeah, something? that's like people saying punch drunk love. That sucks, because Adam Sandler's not funny. <laughs> well... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Adam Sandler is funny in punch drunk love, and he's, <laughs> he's actually funny in it. In that uncomfortable, uncomfortable way. Yeah. So, um, overall... Well, DVD extras. Let's get on to DVD extras. Now... This is actually a really good, uh, interesting story. It's uh, the two-disc unrated collector's edition, and we put the movie in, watched the two hours and 33 minutes unrated version of the movie, and then went on to watch the extras on the disc, and there was an hour and ten minute long documentary, which is really good, fly on the wall. Judd Apatow takes you through, and not in a silly way, like some of these things where it's just stupid. Like This was like is day-to-day of me making this movie. Every single day, I'm talking to the camera and I'm showing you some on-the-set stuff. Really good. It goes through everything. Totally. He doesn't ham it up. He doesn't... He no, just... he looks extremely tired sometimes. Sometimes he looks all right. You know, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. Really interesting. Hour and ten minutes long. Um, and then there's the usual line There's two of those, which is, if you know about Judd Apatow's movies, there's always the line which is improv other versions of scenes in the movie, improv. There's two two of those and two um, gag reels. Two sets of those. Two sets of... And then there's a U-control feature, which there's a lot of music in the movie, which I must say really fit well. Um, and it tells... It's a pop-up U-control feature that tells you who composed and wrote the particular music that's on at the time. And that's all the, that there is on U-control, that's all right? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's it. So you can watch the whole movie... Pushing that button on every scene to find out what the music is, but or you could just like go to the DVD maybe and find out. So interestingly enough, I thought then I said, "Okay, we're done," and we'd been sit- watching it for four hours probably, you know, all, all, all yeah. told or more. And I said, "Oh, that's it for extras," and I turned it off. And then I, we came upstairs and I said, "Hold on a second, there's a whole nother disc." <laughs> And then we're thinking, you said even kind of blowing it off, going, oh, it's maybe got this or that. And then you started. I put the disc in my PC because we have Blu-ray there. And no, there's a lot of extras in this movie. A lot. Now, it's definitely value for money, i got to say that. And this, and if you, the second disc, which we found later, actually includes, um, it's called Funny People Live, which is another over an hour, stand, all the stand-up comedy they did in the movie put together as a show, you know? And then there's separate outtakes of um, Seth Rogen doing some more stand-up extra, which we watched. Um, Adam Sandler doing some more stand-up. So there's loads of stand-up. Oh, and the cast, you forgot the girl who Seth Rogen likes. I liked her. She yeah, was that... And even the one guy even said, you're sodonic or sodonic or whatever. And she's yeah. got that wry kind of everything's bullshit attitude. And she was good. I liked her. I didn't know... She's on this Funny name. People Live, too, if you like... But the funny she plays like a com- up and like a young comedian trying to comedian, sorry, doing her thing, and I liked her too. So if you um, like stand up comedy, even says that includes an hour of stand up comedy. Uh, second disc, it's basically like they really cut, had to cut it down in the movie because you can't sit and watch another hour's worth of stand up comedy right. in the movie. So you got very brief scenes, but this is the whole performances. Um, then there's the funny people diaries, the documentary which I mentioned. 
then there's gag reel. Then there's there's actually a feature commentary with Apatow, Sandler, and Rogan on the, on the commentary. There's um, from the archives, which is early footage of Adam, Seth, and Judd. Now there's a load of that. Like like there's. 15 or so clips and there's like a old Charlie Rose show that they were on and a, the Judd's appearance on Letterman for the first time him on Jay Leno there's all kinds of stuff in there Adam Sandler's first appearance on David Letterman yep there is the films of George Simmons which Adam Sandler plays George Simmons in the movie and he's also in some movies in the movie but, and they're actually fully produced high def Yep. Clips, like, uh, with CGI and everything. Massive uh, CGI. Yeah, yeah. A man head on a baby body. Yeah, so there's a, a movie where Sandler's... And Merman. Yeah, there's a movie where Sandler's a... Sandler's head on a baby's body. Uh, what was that movie called? Man... Redo. Redo. And then there's a mermaid one, and then there's one like a Turner and Hooch thing where his dog's a detective or something. It's, they're, yeah. they're funny, they're really funny. Um, there's five of those. There's James Taylor Live. If you like James Taylor... The MySpace performance, you can see the whole thing. Right. Um, and then there's the Jason Reitman, I think he's called Jason Reitman, guy in the movie, Does he's in a TV show called Yo Teach, which is Judd Apatow's idea of like a shitty TV show. Or just an average TV yep, show. very average. And he's in this show and he plays a school teacher dealing with some like inner city kids. It's kind of... I don't think it is. It's just him trying to be the cool teacher. Well, I, I watched He's trying the to teach him Shakespeare yeah. and stuff. You know? Yeah, and it, but the kids are like, yo, teacher, and all that, you know, and he was trying to be with them. But anyway, there's five episodes of that. Did you see that? You didn't watch mm-hmm. it. You were on I, was, I saw a clip of it. I didn't feel like it was inner city. No, they are. It was just are. metropolitan school. Mm, no, I, I disagree. I think it was inner city kids. Like, like a... What's that one... With Coolio doing a song. Oh, I don't know. Like that. You Dangerous know. Minds? Yes. So anyway, um, it's... it's <laughs> I don't think you could say it's like Dangerous Minds. No. It's a really bad... Um, I think it feels like a really bad TV show. Not something... I, I would turn it on and think, oh, what's this crap? Turn it off. But anyway, it's really, it's cool that they did. The whole episode? The episodes aren't whole episodes. They're oh. six, seven minutes long, each one, but... You know, because in the movie you see clips of him being on, on TV because he's the roommate of the three young comedian actor guys who's basically getting a big paycheck all the time because he's on this crappy well TV show that's very popular. So you get five episodes of Yo Teach, which is kind of funny if you like that guy and you want. But it's to not see. full episodes like mm-hmm. we thought. And then there's deleted scenes, loads of deleted scenes in this movie. I'd say twenty deleted scenes, and then there's also twenty extended scenes. So. You've got that bunch of stuff. And then the prank calls that were at the beginning of the... They've got those in their, their entirety. And there's more than one. Um, and there's BD Live. And there's... It's the first... Universal um, are the first to pioneer this new... It's called Pocket Blue. Now, we couldn't try it because I think we're the only people in the world that don't have an iPhone or iPod Touch, right? We we uh, we do not. We said that in the past. We have a Zoom and a Motorola cell phone. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... But anyway, there's this new... Somebody out there might be interested. It's called Pocket Blue App for iPhone or iPod Touch. And what it actually does is it... You load the app onto your iPhone. Um, it, I don't know how you actually get it on your iPhone. I was just going to say, is it... There's no code. Um, it's I mean, the, your Blu-ray... I mean, if you've got PS3, is that wire, it's on, could be on wireless, right? Is it got a wireless? Well, it'll come from any Blu-ray player, so I don't know. Hmm. 
True. Anyway, there's a maybe it's free on the iTunes store. Maybe you just send you to a page to go and get it. Anyway, once you've got this app on your iPhone, it does a couple of things. One, it does mobile to go, which adds. It turns. It's kind of hard to explain. It turns your iPhone into a remote control for your Blu-ray player. Now, not full time, just for this movie. So, it adds. A remote control and a keyboard, and it lets you control your Blu-ray features and communicate with ease. So, turns your iPhone into like if there was a chat feature in the menu, for instance, like it connected to Facebook or something. You could type your Facebook thing from your cell phone, and it would come up on the screen. So it communicates with it through the internet. I'm right, assuming. right. So it must. How it must work is like the iPhone talks to BD Live servers. And BD Live server posts whatever you post. Posts whatever you post, which is complicated, but it magically happens. <laughs> it's just magic. Yeah, so it's the magic iPhone. So you know, it's like a way of integrating things together. You know, we've seen Blu-ray discs. It's also Twi- a way to sell more iPhones. Yeah, that's why. I look and we've at seen it. Blu-ray discs with Twitter integration and Facebook, and you know, it's all trying to. Shouldn't this really have MySpace? Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, it does that, and then it is also adds, adds a selection of bonus features to your iPhone. Now I'm not sure what that does, and I can't really tell you. But if you want to know more about it, when you get any of these new Universal discs, it has a walkthrough of it, so you can see it even if you don't have one. And then maybe go out and buy an iPhone. Exactly. Um, I think I'll pass. So yeah, that's uh, two disc collector's edition. Now we watched the unrated version of the film, and there's the also the theatrical. The theatrical is 2 hours 26 minutes and the unrated is 2 hours 33 minutes. So, not 7 minutes. 7 minutes of, I can't imagine what was unrated really. I mean, apart from language, you know. Maybe. Um, but no, you show yeah. theatrical, you can say what you want really, right? There's Could just nothing. be little bits shaved off here and there, who knows. But, um, so, it, overall, it's fantastic value if you like Judd Apatow. Very. I mean, there's hours of stuff, if you count the commentary... All those documentaries. But it's all going to hinge on whether or not you like the movie. So you Yeah, if you like, like the movie, movie, it's been given the royal treatment. Let's Correct. just say that. Because you don't get... They don't give you a second disc, generally. They cram everything into the first one. And you've got a long movie to start with. So I'm impressed. I was impressed when we found the second disc. And I was like... What's that yellow thing on the front? It, does it remind you of Blockbuster, that sticker? No. I can't read it or anything. It just says two versions of the movie. Oh, I thought it was like, get something free or something. Plus hilarious Blu-ray exclusives. Now, if they had put a movie ticket in there, or a ticket to get some free candy, like a couple of movies they did. did. They just, done did yeah, that would have been awesome. But anyway, um, overall, for me, it's my favorite Judd Apatow film to date. Um, I think anybody would, I think most people would get mm-hmm. something from it. I don't agree. I think a lot of people would, but I think it's a specific... I loved it. I thought it was really entertaining. Like, I know that sounds really old-fashioned. It was very entertained by that movie. <laughs> but it was. I was all kinds of things from the it. The same as Up. You know, we watched Up, and we both had our own personal reactions. Mm-hmm. And I know it's they are, quote-unquote, just movies. But these are people making movies about stories about people and life and stuff. And I think we're getting to that age where we're identifying with that stuff. And that's I re- what I love I about it. I highly recommend it. It's not a fluffy comedy by any means. There's a lot of layers to it. It's a lot more than a comedy. In fact, it's a lot less comedy than you might think. With it being called Funny People. You know? And like I Ju- it. Like Judd Apatow says, the reason he called it Funny People is not really... Comedy. It's not- more about odd. Like even though it is about co- funny people, comedians, 
It's more about funny. He thinks people. about yeah. He thinks about himself and people like him and the comedy people as being maybe they don't always get. Maybe they have a hard time. They're a little bit odd outside the fringe of normal people. Yeah. I loved it. And so did I. And I'd recommend it. And the Blu-ray disc, I absolutely recommend too. It's a good picture, good sound. And absolutely, you won't find one. I haven't seen one this year with as much stuff crammed in there. It's like almost like he said, everything, like he said to them, everything we've got on this movie, every single documentary, you know, we'll, we'll make a documentary also. I will give you all my old videotapes of me and Adam. Well, it was you. The, uh, I, th- I think of that as archive information, archive stuff, and well, he still. had it, so he might as well. The only thing he didn't put was he took his diary that he did every single day of shooting and cut it up and put it in the big documentary. So he could have put all of that on there, but yeah. I think that might have been too much. It was almost like <laughs> he said, uh, "Here's everything we have, what we ever grab it on there, and here's every little archive thing, and here's a load of Letterman appearances and." You know, just jam it all on there because, uh, you know, I think people would be interested. You know, and let's do a commentary and let's do a documentary and let's stuff this thing out. Unfortunately, they didn't do that knocked up thing like they did uh, where you went on BD Live and found two or three more roundtable interviews and stuff, remember? No, well, thing we can't really comment, but BD Live, because this movie comes out Tuesday. Mm, Right. There was nothing... We yeah. can go on BD Live, but there's nothing about the movie, and that, that generally tends to happen. They don't activate it till the day, so... So check it when you get it, just in case. Because there could be something else. I can't, can't imagine can't what. Imagine what <laughs> but you never know. Um, so, uh, thanks to Universal for the disc, and uh, it's out on Tuesday. Um, next week's DVD uh, review should be Bruno on Blu-ray. That's if... I'm having some trouble getting all the Locating it? Yeah, um... But that's not your problem, that's ours. But yeah, it should be Bruno, even though I said Bruno was this week. Um, and if it isn't, don't be disappointed, it'll be something else just as good. Oh, I won't. So, uh, competition, you can go and win a copy of Funny People on the site right now. Awesome. Um, I'm on my way. <laughs> and it also, it co- it's not just a contest for the Funny People DVD, not the Blu-ray, it's the DVD. We're giving away a copy of the DVD and a magnetic something. Oh, good that you know these things. Yeah. Do you want me to go to a Comedy story? kit. Okay. I won't tell you what that is, but it's a magnetic comedy kit. Okay. You'll get one of those as well, if you win. So, um, movie recommendations for this week. I wanted to go for... I, I wanted to go for something Judd Apatow, and I said to you, I think I've already recommended He's only done three movies. Anyway, I decided to go for The Cable Guy, because Judd Apatow was a producer on it. Okay. Um... Amazing movie, I think. Okay, I was going to say, well, you know, why would you recommend it? Do you like it? You oh, know? I really like it, yeah. I always have. I think it's a dark, funny, at the same time, movie. But yeah, Judd Apatow was a producer. Um, and my sec- <coughs> second one is an Adam Sandler movie, The Wedding Singer. I think it's my second favourite Adam Sandler movie, because I like Fifty First Dates is yes. my favourite. No, Punch Drunk Love is your favourite. Sorry, third... Third Punch Drunk I was thinking more of comedies yeah, right? yeah. so like if it, let's forget Punch Drunk Love Fifty First Dates would be my favourite Adam Sandler comedy second one would be The Wedding Singer which I think is probably underrated but I don't think go. I agree well people who love it love it yeah but and a lot then... of people didn't see it I don't think it's one of those you know when whenever you hear Adam Sandler mentioned you always hear The Water Boy and yeah. Little Nicky I mean Little Nicky's really horrible bad. 
So yeah, the wedding singer and the cable guy. I agree. I agree with those recommendations. <laughs> Good. No. And I'm going to say mine are There's a girl in my soup. Now, I don't I was don't know why I was trying to think of other movies that are romantic comedy-ish, but don't feel like that. Now, this one's from 1970, Goldie Hawn and Peter Sellers. And it's like if you've ever watched a lot of comedies from the 70s, it's got that vibe and everything. I think I've seen it. It's Peter Sellers and Goldie Hawn. Is it who else? Uh, I don't remember, actually. But um, it's really charming. She's got another one that she's in with Walter Matthau, like uh, Butterflies something, Butterflies. And I really love them because they're not what we've ended up with these days, like you were saying, the kind of uh, little packaged romantic comedies. You know, they were there was more to it. And I think it's pretty long as well. I really like that one. And... The World According to Garp, which I hadn't thought about for I've years I've also seen that one, but I can't remember it. Robert, uh, Robin it. Williams, John Lithgow, uh, Meryl Streep. Not Meryl Streep. The other one. Glenn Close. The other one. <laughs> I always... I love them both. The other so one. I've pushed them into one person. Right. <laughs> Meryl Streep and Glenn Close. <laughs> Glenn Close. And it's one of those where the dude doesn't... Like, where Adam Sandler in this movie that we've just seen gets to a certain point in his life and is like, fuck, what have I done? You know, did I make all the wrong choices? In Garp, he's trying to figure out. And it's really bizarre. It's got a lot of bizarreness to it and sad, tragic things. And it's uh, kind of almost surreal at times. So you got to just go along for the I've ride. I've definitely seen that It's from 1982 uh-huh. and World According to Garp and There's a Girl in My Soup. Both of those, I think, should be taken a look at again. So those four movies for you to watch. Um, before next week. So make that your homework assignment. And I'm going to announce to you and to the world that from now on I'm going to put our movie recommendations at the bottom of my written review. Excellent. So that we have a written record of it that people can see. Either at the bottom or under the... Yeah, I think at the very bottom before the score. The show notes is the best place to put them, though. Well, no, because that's fleeting. Then you have to go to the review or the show notes or go to the news story, and I would like to have them just right there. You can put them as a comment, actually, yeah. There you go, because on the review, at the the bottom, you can leave a comment on it. Again, I just put it at the bottom of the review. It will never change. Right. So. I'm just saying, you can do comments, so if you... I don't want to do comments. I want to put it on the review. Right. I'm just thinking... (laughs) I'm thinking that, no, I don't want that. Well, we'll see. Right. So, um... (laughs) Games and A-Scully stuff, we got quite a f- well, not a few games this week, but four. So, first one I've been playing is Assassin's Creed 2, which is an excellent game. I wasn't expecting much of it, because I didn't particularly like Assassin's Creed 1. <laughs> I have to sniffle Which this. came out, was it two years ago? Or was it last year? It's possibly last year. But anyway, Assassin's Creed 1 was like a really high-concept game. It kind of fell apart about halfway through, because... What you did in the first hour is pretty much what you did for the whole 30 hours. They never really changed anything. They were like, there's three types of mission. You do those until the game's over. Right. Now, what they did with the second one is it carries on as exactly where the first one left off. But you don't need to have played the first one because it recaps it all in the first few minutes. Now, what they did this time was they improved it like 100% on every level. They... What Assassin's Creed is, is you're playing a... It's really a complicated and weird... It's hard to explain, yeah. So you're playing a guy in modern times who... There's this invention called the Animus, which is like a table that they can put people on and hook them up to it. 
and they can, through DNA, they can view the memories of their ancestors. So... Is that in their mind, or have there's, has the body actually even, gone there? It's not even... So it's like the Matrix kind of thing? Almost. Where you're, in, you're laying there on the table in modern time, but in the meantime, in your mind, you've gone back in time. You're in the body of your ancestor. Now this guy's... And the whole reason this guy's being hooked up is because he's... The fate of the world or something hinges upon this one guy. And this bloodline of assassins throughout time. So it's a real complicated story. But in the first game you played the assassin Altair, which was like a... Like a... I don't even know the time period on the first one, but it was like just after Christ, kind of a... Mm. But this new one, you're playing... What was the date at the timeline? 1400s. 1500s. In Venice and Italy. And you're playing this new um, assassin, who's also in this guy's bloodline. During the Renaissance, we'll say. Yeah. Um, at the time of Leonardo da Vinci, actually. Um, and you, you're playing this new assassin guy who has links to the other guy from the first game. He's a same Because they're ancestors. Yeah. Right. But it's a different kind of tale. It's like a revenge story, this one. He's not, not to spoiler it, because it happens in the first few minutes, but his whole family get wrongly executed. And then he has to go on this mission to take out the guy who, who ordered this you know it's like it's like a back mm-hmm. cross back double cross kind of deal um but they've improved everything about this game it's like i i'd say it was kind of like grand theft auto because it's like a free there's missions to take and then there's side missions to take and then there's exploration to do and it's all free you've got powers of um parkour you can run up buildings you can now, I'm not sure that assassins from Leonardo da Vinci's age could run across buildings like this guy does, but they implemented that to make the game interesting, I guess. But it's just a really interesting... For me, when I was playing it, I'm only about a quarter of the way through, but it feels really like a grown-up game. And what console? It's on PS3 and 360. All right. So it feels like a grown-up game. Like, it's very... It's not adult, but it's very intellectual almost. Like, it's really high concept, the story. And if you don't go with it, I think you could be lost completely because it's complicated. It's not dummy down. No, and you have to... And it, and it purposely does things like... This guy you're talking to is an important figure in history. Like, he, you might not know who he is because you've not studied history right but this guy you're talking to is an important figure in history. And if you don't really understand what is happening, press the back button. And here is a whole, like, um, oh, pages really? that you can turn about who this guy is in real life. Why he existed in these times. What his job was. What he did. What was wrong. Why you might have to be assassinating him because... Oh, not your character. You're talking about the people you come the across. The people you come across. Okay. Now, he explains Leonardo da Vinci. And they use Leonardo da Vinci in a really interesting way. So... Leonardo da Vinci is a painter in the time and a sculptor as well. But he also, and I think in real life this applied, he was also into inventions, right? And inventing mm-hmm. stuff. So how they use him in this game is he's kind of like your James Bond's uh, Q. Q guy who you go to. <laughs> and he's kind of like, 
yes, I do paintings and stuff, but I've always wanted to do something a bit more. And so he designs your, first off, your hidden daggers, which are like these these gauntlets that you can wear, and uh, daggers come out of them, so you can assassinate Is that what people. that thing's called that goes around your arm? Yeah. Is that what they call it, throwing down the gauntlet? Yes. Why would you throw down your gauntlet? Like, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> You mean you get rid of those yeah. and then just fight hand yeah. to hand? Correct. I've never known armored gloves. I've never known the origin of that thing, and I've learned something. You've taught me something. Oh my god! It's really funny as well because when you go to Leonardo da Vinci the first time, and this is really funny, he says, "You come with this blueprint that you've found in your ancestors, like in this uh, box, and it's a blueprint of something." And Leonardo da Vinci says. It's encrypted in some way. I don't really understand it, but let me look at all my books and see. And he, then he figures it out and says, it's like a thing that you can make these gauntlets with these hidden daggers in them for an assassin. So I'll make them. So Leonardo da Vinci goes about making them. You come back a couple of days later and he's like, okay, I've made them. They're real, you know, they're, they're these, th- these are them. And he says, oh, cool. Like, so I can use them to assa- be an assassin. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what they're for. They're hidden daggers. But first, we need to remove your middle finger. <laughs> and, and your character says, what? He says, well, we've got to remove your middle finger. That's how these things work. So he puts his hand on the desk, and Leonardo gets his axe, and he just sticks it, he chops it into the desk and goes, no, I'm just kidding. You don't need to remove your finger. So he, well, they just ruined that moment for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. So, um, you know, Leonardo Vinci's a bit of a joker as well. But they use these, you know, different historical figures as... A plot to this story, which is really cool. So, and it's really deep, and you get to go around. I feel a 1960s <coughs> version coming on when there's a certain president who might get shot from an assassin who might be in this bloodline. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, what I've heard, and <laughs> this game ends. I'm not at the end yet. Well, don't tell it then. Well, I'm not because I don't know it. Oh. So, <laughs> when this game ends, you hundred percent know. Where Assassin's Creed 3 takes place. Oh, right. So, I am thinking it might be nearer to today, you know. But there again, imagine if it was like Jesus' times. And there's about the people who were crucifying yeah. Jesus. Oh, uh, you know, around that. Now, that would be really interesting. That and there be. again, so would a, uh, even a... How about, like, now? Mm-hmm. Like some weird Assassin's Creed. Then, pl- assa- then it wouldn't be your ancestor. It'd be you. Uh, exactly, but I mean, unless he's in the future, because he'd have to be in the future he for is that in the kind future, of it's technology. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you now it says like something like a few years from now. Yeah, it's yeah. very, you know, timeless. It'd be interesting though to see because it is a trilogy, and the third one will be the end. So, you know, it started here. It's now in Venice and Italy, and where will it go at the end? I'm, I'm interested to see because it's, I don't know, high concept game. Not everybody will get it. Kind of like funny people, I guess. <laughs> Not anybody, not everybody will get it, but it's it's not like anything else you've played because it's unusual, and I like that. You know that some people take a chance on a game that you know definitely because if, if you say to most people, it's a game about history, <laughs> and you know an assassin in the fourteen hundreds, people some most people will be like, do I get to use a bazooka? Fifteen hundred. Well, it's fourteen. I thought it was 1537 No, it was the... It keeps showing you the date as I'm playing. So it's like 14... But it's going on years and years. Like, because it's the whole... 
the game is the whole span of your character's life from him being a teenager to whatever happens to him at the end of right, his life. Right, right. So it's a big span of time. So anyway, that's a, Assassin's Creed 2. Highly recommended. I would say, you know, if you like adventure, it's not a multiplayer game, it's a single player game, but it's definitely worth a shot. Um, even if you didn't like Assassin's Creed 1. The other one I've been playing is Little Big Planet on the PSP. Now that's a game from like a year ago. Yeah. Um, it's been ported to the PSP in its entirety, so it's the full game on the PSP. Right. With all the online stuff, all the sharing, the whole thing, it looks exactly like the PS3 version. It's pretty amazing what they've done to it. You know, it's a smaller screen, but it's the same graphics, and it was really cool looking at the time, wasn't it? Um, plus, it's got you can make your levels, you can share your levels, you can download other people's levels. Little Big Planet. PSP. You've not seen it yet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really... It's too small. I'm no, like the PSP's not small at all. It is. Oh, it's not small at all. It's like three inches across. No, it's not. It's five. Oh, well. <laughs> Still too small for me. No, it's pretty cool. Um, and then another game that came out this week was Lego Indiana Jones 2, which is... Can't highly recommend it, because it's... it's According to the 13-year-old who's been playing it in our house, he says it's better Yeah, well, because they've... He said... They've fixed a lot of things that bugged him before. So that's got to be something. Yeah, but the, what I don't like about this Lego thing, what they've been doing recently, is it's Lego Indiana Jones 2. And they also did it with... Um, what was the other series that they Star brought to Wars? Lego? Star Wars. They also did it to Star Wars. They put out one. And then a year later, they put out the same one with an extra... Well, in this case, they've put the new movie in there. But the rest of it is the same game as you played before. But then they add some build creation parts. So what they're doing is, like, just adding... It could be DLC, is what I'm saying, like, downloadable content. But they make a full game and charge you the whole price again. When 75% of it is what you already have. No, oh, I didn't recognize what he was playing. I guess I wouldn't look in that class. Yeah, I did. I've, I mean, I played the first one all the way through. You play the same movies. They're exactly the same, identical. Mm. But they add the new movie. And they've fixed things, he said. Yeah, Some but I mean, it should have been right in the first like place, right? I know, but I'm saying, if you're saying it's exactly the same, All it's I'm not. saying is you're paying $120 to play But if you never bought the first games. one, and you buy this one, you get it all. Yeah, exactly. If you never, but, you know... People who play these games probably... Maybe not. Probably were there on day one for the first one. And they did it with the Star Wars as well, which is like... It really bugged me. Because they didn't add anything to that one apart from, like... What they did with Star Wars. And here's an example. They brought out Star Wars, which was the new... Three movies, the new ones. Mm -hmm. Then they brought out Star Wars, the original trilogy. With the three... And then they brought out all of them together. So there was three versions of the same game. Right. That if you're a fan, you might want all of. Right? Right. It's just annoying. Like, make new games, you know. Well, anyway, the the next Lego game's Harry Potter. Sounds like something a lot of people say, probably, right? I'm assuming they'll do it with Harry Potter too. They're, They're bringing out the Harry Potter games, and there's another... They'll do years one to three, and then years four to six, and they won't give you the whole thing on one disc it's just right. a, it's kind of annoying it's just like I don't know just give if it's a movie that's six movies just do it all at once put it on one disc value right 
I think we've established that everybody's a greedy fucker these days. So they're going to get every dime out of you. And if you don't wait long enough to buy the disc that has it all on it at the end, and you buy all three along the way, then it's your fault, not theirs. But you... That's my statement. And I'm but you don't know they're going to do You know now that they've done it in the past, they're going to do it again. So if you're going to rent it, fair enough. But if you know down the road and you can't wait till next year, that's your fault. And last up on the games this week is uh, the new Seen It game, which I played a round of just to check it out. And I think without we'll, me, we will play. Um, we'll play. We'll play some because you were just trying to get ahead of me. Well, no, because remember, remember, <laughs> yeah. Seen It is really actually clever in that respect because once you've seen a set of questions, it never throws them back up again. Hmm. It um, remembers on your gamer memory card that you already saw that clip. So you don't get that clip again until you've exhausted it. Like we exhausted the first one, didn't we? It just started looping because yeah. we played it so much. But anyway, the new version of Seen It is the first Microsoft used to um, have dibs on Seen It. They bought the license into it. So it was only on the 360. But this one, that's been done with now. They, I think they lost the license. So now it's on the Wii the 360. The Wii would P- be fun. The Wii's got a fun controller and everything. They could probably do something that yeah. mixes that in there. That um, be fun. So, you know, it's the and same. And the Wii doesn't make any noise. They don't have the uh, avatars anymore. Um, yeah, you could pick your avatar, but now they don't have that. You just pick between these crappy little avatars that are in the game, like a sci-fi girl. Or yeah. A, you know, it's kind because of... Because they've ported it to other generic, consoles, yeah. they can't use your... Kind of use your own thing. So, it's the scene that you know and love, though. You know, and one thing I liked about it, I played around, is the other scene is, they had these, this annoying presenter who you had to listen to what he said before the questions Every came Every time, up. yeah. Well, now you can literally, you can have him, or you can switch him off completely, and then the, the questions come thick and fast, so you don't have to wait for anything. It's like question, question, question. Film clip. And then a question, you know. Right. Now, the another problem I have, apart from that, that improves it, but a problem I have, and this is a problem with all the scenic games, the movie clips are, like, so dark, you can barely see them. It's the same in this one. Like, everything's perfect until a movie clip comes on, then it's really dark. I don't really know low quality, is. really shitty. Yeah. I guess somehow that's going to prevent, in their minds, me and you from somehow capturing that and using it for something else. Like, I mean, I'm saying they're so... The rest of the game looks remember, fun. Remember the phrase before? If everybody likes to abbreviate things, from now on I'm going to refer to it as the GFs. The greedy fuckers. <laughs> nice. Charming language. Thank you. So, Thank you um, very much. That's the games for this week. And when I usually say at the end of that, the games that are coming next week, well, I think we're at the end of game season. Really? So, yes, there might be something. James Cameron's Avatar is due. That movie looks pretty interesting to me. I don't know why, but I've seen the trailer. A Most of expensive times. movie ever made, five hundred million dollars. And you know the interesting thing about James Cameron's Avatar? He uh, was on something yesterday. I was watching it. You know, it's most expensive movie. Imagine how much pressure's on him to um, for this movie to be. It's out in twelve days. Don't know. And he isn't finished yet. That was <laughs> yesterday. He's not finished it. They've got quite a lot of CG to do. Now, that's interesting to me, because I always thought films were ready... In the can. ...months before, but this one is pushing it, apparently. He's... Well, I hope that doesn't mean to its detriment. Well, the $500 million better show up somewhere, right? I mean, it's got to have... It's a lot of money, because, like, no movies even come close to that figure, so... 
it either shows up on the screen or... It doesn't. <laughs> I, I imagine the pressure's immense for him because if this movie doesn't do well, a movie like that's never going to get made again. That's Nobody's fine gonna... with me. I don't want them to spend $500 million on movies. I think it's insanely ridiculous. I think that it... puts the pressure on our end to go, oh, they spent so much money that I'm perfectly willing to spend $50 on the DVD. And I'm not. I think uh, I love sci-fi and mm-hmm. I love James Cameron. I think he's, you know, um, he's in the scale of these big tales like obviously Titanic and Terminator and um, Alien. I think he's Aliens. a really good... I think, he, yeah, I think he's a really good storyteller. And... You know, this is a sci-fi, a big epic sci-fi tale. I, I, I reckon it, you know... It's kind is of it film. long? It's going to be long? I don't know. I don't yeah. know it's runtime. <laughs> I know it costs 500 million, so it must, it must be... See, I think that's unfortunate that you or anybody else is going to be thinking about that. Because oh, it, it was, means It was him nothing. who said that a lot. You know what I mean? He kept saying it. Chasing like, Amy costs $250,000, and it's one of your favorite movies of all time. Well, I'm thinking of this more of like... Somebody like George Lucas was talking about it the other day, about pushing the boundaries of um, computer mm. technology in movies. Nothing's been done on the scale of Avatar before because, like, they've got full, full C- living characters, CG and all that. people that apparently are, are in. They've not really shown any clips of it, but they're apparently they're indistinguishable from. It's they don't look phony. Now I'm interested to see if that has actually been cracked. like a golem. But on a grander scale, like like tons like, of them. like a whole race of aliens. Was Andy or... Circus in it? <laughs> Don't know. But anyway, <laughs> is it my turn is it my turn is it my turn. But anyway, Avatar: The Game is coming also, which actually looks interesting in itself. It's the first full 3D game where you have to have a special television and a special set of glasses to play it. Hmm. If you want it in 3D, that will not be on your Christmas list. I hope the TV is about. 5,000 and the glasses are about 1,000, I think. <laughs> we'll pass. <laughs> and so for me, is it my turn? Is it my turn? My stuff? What's for dinner? I'm making a lovely, not a boboli or boboli pizza, as Mr. Shane Jensen, but I'm making a Mama Maria. You get the crust. And we're having our dinner about 5.30 in the morning, probably. Is this morning time? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what time of day it is. It's like 4.18 a.m. We didn't wake up till 11. No. Right? Because I was tired. I don't know what... No, it wasn't 11. It was like 8 for me. Was it? Yeah. Cause it, 9 o'clock because I remember going to bed at 9 and you woke me up and I'm like, wow, I slept 12 hours. And I, I had some Tylenol PM so I completely... Yeah, zone. I'd had a headache for like three days so I think that I was just wore out and I just slept. And then you went to take a shower and I was kind of awake. And then the next thing you said was, you know, I'm done. And I'm like, no, you're not. You just went to the shower. Like, this and I've second. been in 10 minutes. <laughs> and I totally fell asleep. So whatever. But anyway. My thing is, leading up to dinner, we're going to have a Mama Maria, I think it is. You get the crust and you put it your is. own sauce on it. So I got some sauce. I got Emo's Pizza Sauce, which you have said that you like their pizza but not the cheese. So I got their sauce. This is not an advertisement. This is just what we're having for dinner. <laughs> With some cheese on it. Um, either spinach on the pizza or on the side. Um, and then whatever else I can dredge up. I might well, put some corn grounds. I might have put some gorn, corn grounds on there. Like a hamburger pizza, is but there gonna be any fake hamburger. I have no mushrooms. It was just going to be cheese pizza. But maybe just some of that fake burger and spinach. And cheese. And cheese, yes. Mozzarella cheese. Uh, that sounds pretty good, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And then the other thing was, this week I read two books. 
Now, I haven't read books. I didn't realize you could read. <laughs> it's a new... It's I know, I'm very mysterious. You no, don't know let, these things. Let me just learn. You know, I can write a little bit, but you didn't like read. And I read these two books because a very lovely young woman at work knows that I like zombie movies and I like the hopelessness of zombie movies. I've liked every zombie movie I've ever seen. I like vampire stories because it seems hopeless to me. There's there's no good ending there when you have vampires in your world. So I love that. She's like, oh, you're going to love these books. Now, I've never read lots in my life. <laughs> that is for sure. In the past, I've read some Dean Koontz, which now I find from, of course, some reading kind of snobs like, oh, my God, you read Stephen King and Dean Koontz, you know, because that's like the lower level of the They're literature. Popular, the They're popular. So I'm reading this, and I'm like, oh, I'll read those. And I'm thinking, I will never read those books, but thank you. So I brought him home, and Monday, laid down on the couch, basically read through the entire first one. Well, and then I was... You have to say what Oh, the that. names of them are The Rising and City of the Dead. And I forget the name of the guy who wrote them. That's not helpful. <laughs> and I gave them back to her, so I don't know what they are. But it's called The Rising, City of the Dead. He's written a lot of other novels. He's written some uh, screenplays for movies and whatnot. And I'm not talking about high literature here, people. I'm talking about basically taking an action horror movie and slamming it into a book. Not a lot of original ideas, but... I'm not making it sound good. Brian Keene. Brian Keene, that's his name. Brian Keene, The Rising, City of the Dead. It's kind of like page-turning action flick stuff. And if you've watched a lot of movies in your life... He writes in a way that you are in your mind, or at least I do. Maybe it's just me. I'm seeing it as a movie scene. You know, one scene, yeah. you know, the the tough woman who's been, like, basically run through the mill by these zombies and traveling through it all, and she's firing her machine gun slowly as the shells fall to the ground. Well, we all know what that looks like in a movie. The descriptions of the zombies, you know, with lots of intestines hanging out and, like, eyeballs dangling and... You know, there's also fish zombies and bird zombies because the way the way that people become zombies isn't viral or anything like that. You have to read the book to find out. But that, that's a new take, at least in my opinion, because I haven't read a lot of zombie books, if there are a lot. But it's just page-turning, kind of like... It's all very two-dimensional. None of the people are very deep or interesting, really, at all to me. But it was in, it was fun, you know. Now I'm ready to get another book, maybe a better book. <laughs> like the Bible. <laughs> oh my god. I'm not <laughs> sure that that's a page turner. I don't know how many zombies. I know there's at least one zombie in there. But um bum. You know, the guy that Jesus brings back from the dead. Oh, himself. And in fact, that's referenced and that's funny you should say that because that's referenced in the book because there's a lot of religious themes and ideas there and mystical ancient uh, demons and things like that mentioned. So, I'm just saying, basically, if you haven't read a book in a long time, it's pretty fun. And we found a typo. Not I found just a more ty- than one. I found loads of typos. It's so not weird. even a typo that we read. It was like a. She was knocked down and fell to her feet. Yeah, fell now, to her feet then and kept running. Yeah, or, and then she she something about she couldn't get back up. Well, it was obvious that she didn't fall to her feet. She fell off her feet or she fell to her knees yeah, or something. Just totally wrong. Yeah, word and it, not just that one. There were lots of typos. And so that was kind of weird. And especially because in the book it touts this author guy as an editor of many books. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Somebody, Didn't read that one. Oh, I felt. But then again, you know, I don't write I mean, very probably well, so. a lot of books have that. Mm. You know? You get swept up in the moment, though, as you're reading. And it's pretty fast reading. I read them both in two days, almost. 
you know, just basically reading them continuously. Then I was getting near the end of the second one, and I was not putting it down. I was at work the other night. I had like 10 pages left, and I'm like doing other things, getting my work done while I'm waiting for something to happen or finish, you know, because I work with a lot of computers and stuff. So I'm, I have to stand there and wait for a couple minutes. So I'm reading, 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 reading. Okay, do the thing, do the thing. Okay, read, 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 read. Okay, do the thing, do the <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, you know, I got to that point where I was ready for the... Uh, Good job you don't watch movies in that fashion. Yeah, it's true because that's probably why I don't read a lot because I get completely consumed. I don't want to stop mm. if it's that kind of book, you know, that can keep me going, going, going. So I might have found a new, uh, and I love it. It kind of just, it's like a big, if I like long movies and I added those two days together, it was like a two day movie for me. Right. Except in the middle, I, you know, worked and took you a shit. You just have to and find some and, better books. <laughs> True. I know I'm not saying they're bad as in not entertaining or anything. I just know it's not like if you're a book snob that you're going to think these are like high literature or original I don't think that even way. matters. It's the same as movies. Some people say like such some movies are just junk. Mm-hmm. But if you enjoy them, you enjoy them, right? True. You know, I mean, there's a lot of crappy movies that are actually fun at the end of the day. Books are a lot more of an investment, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... It's like, I know someone at work who he reads, he reads a lot of books and he's kind of one of those book snobby type. And he, you know, never gives up on a book. He'll just read it. And then there are some books he said he has, he can't read the rest. He's read it and he knows everything that's going to happen. And he describes it as if how I would describe watching a really bad movie that I thought was really bad. So It's like a waste of time. Yeah. So I, I say, uh, find, you know, pick up a book and read it. If you love zombies, like, I really do love zombie, the theme of it. And I've seen some crappy ones, we've seen lots of good ones, if you could describe them as good. And I didn't know how that would translate to reading it on a page. But the weird thing is, because I've seen so many CGI and um, prosthetic zombies with latex faces and shit, that's what I'm seeing Mm. in my mind. (laughs) So it's like, I've got CGI zombies when he's describing... Because these are reanimated bodies, and in any condition, as long as the brain is intact, as we all know, then it could be anything, like, really anything. So, and it's written very bold and very forward. There's a lot of adult language, there's a lot of adult instances of things. I'm talking, you know, if you think there's zombies and you think sex is adult, we'll put the two together. You find he's pretty bold in that way. So there's it's a, a trashy kind of zombie novel. As I said, there's a graphic novel series about zombies that you might like. I might. I think it's called The Waking Dead. Maybe I'll branch out and find whole... everything about zombies that can. I would be interested. Hmm. Everybody's different take on the idea of reanimating the dead and what the possibilities are. Have you are, seen you the know? movie Reanimator? I have not. Well, you totally should see that movie. I should. Is he a zombie? Or is it just the idea of it? Um, let's just say something gets reacted. <laughs> I got it. Don't tell me anything else about it. But you should see that. It's actually a classic. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who probably know exactly Do we have it? No. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But there's Christmas, an, 80s, Christmas. an 80s movie called Reanimator that's actually widely, even to this day, as one of the greatest I've also never seen horror. Hellraiser or Eraserhead. Well, those don't really have anything I know, to but do. I'm just saying those are those classic kind of, you know... Hellraiser's actually really good. Razorhead is nonsensical, but kind of good as well. <laughs> so that's all my stuff. Read a book if you want. I'm also still trying to draw all the time, and I'm posting them on my website. All right. That's so, it. So um, I want to say thank you for listening. I want to remind you about the websites, aschoolie.com, sitar.com. You can go on Twitter, 
and tweet us up. Is that uh, what it is? Twitter us up. Twitter.com slash AceColiositDoc. Uh, you can go to Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube mini reviews. I don't... I've done it. You did you? Yeah. Did you do like Kevin Smith collection? Not yet. But we got to figure out your webcam. Yes, yeah, that was mine. I wanted to do it with my other camera, but then I wanted to do it with my webcam because my husband... Well, you bought them both for me, actually. But it's really nice to sit here and do it. But if you've watched my little mini-reviews, the last two were out of sync. I don't really care, but I'd rather they not That's be. not an issue. With it. We just have to figure <laughs> right, it out. Right. I have to figure out what I need to shut down on my computer. Oh, I could have had... God knows, I could have had... You could have had 50 things open at the time. Yeah, and as I do most of the time. Yeah. So. Anyway, um... Mini yes. reviews on YouTube under Sid Talk. Just go to aschoolie.com and click on the word podcast at the top if you need to subscribe to this podcast because everything is there. Don't really. It's on iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, RSS feed. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie.com but not to Sid Talk or email it to Sid Talk at I don't want your emails.com. <laughs> that probably exists. It, and as for Twitter, you can follow me, but I don't follow anybody hardly, so don't be offended if I don't follow you back. I'm not one of those, oh, they follow me, I'm following them. Don't, I don't do it on Facebook either. You don't twat either. them back. I don't twat people, <laughs> and I don't I don't believe friend is a verb. So I'm not going to say I don't friend people, because it's getting on my freaking nerves. I do not make people my friend on Facebook either. Only people I personally know. So don't be offended if I don't. Basically, don't want no emails of anybody. <laughs> you don't friend anybody. You don't tweet. You don't follow them on Twitter. Friend is not a verb. Friend is a noun. So, um, I want to say, um, stay classy, San Diego. (laughs) (laughs) Stay classy. I reckon stay classy, Judd Apatow. And you know, I'm looking forward to another Judd Apatow film now. You do find him classy. I feel that you um, was not a Judd Apatow fan, but I think I think he might be one. You know what I don't like? I don't like when everybody crawls up somebody's ass all of a sudden and how wonderful and fantastic they are, and everybody talks about them. It really gets on my nerves, and that could be my it just problem. Happens, doesn't it? it does happen, and it just gets on my nerves. And then I feel like I don't get wrapped up in everybody's ooing and aahing just because everybody's ooing and aahing. I have my own mind, therefore I wait until I like what they're doing, and something about it grabs me. Then I will give you my opinion. I don't get on the friggin' board. Can't and deny it that there's some. I've know. liked all of them. Yeah. But I wasn't like, oh my god, Judd Apatow, every everybody used to kiss his ass, and oh my god, a new Judd Apatow movie's coming out, therefore it's gonna be good. How do you know? You don't. Right. So I'm gonna say, think for yourself, everybody. Don't jump on the Judd Apatow train until you have taken your own ride. Hey, don't diss Apatow. <laughs> I'm not, I'm saying. Make up your own mind. <laughs>